Welcome to Swift Coaches Academy, a podcast dedicated to bringing health and wellness professionals the uncensored truth behind what it really takes to succeed in the health industry with me, your host, Zania Wood. As an accredited exercise physiologist and business owner for almost a decade, I'm on a mission to transform the lives of ambitious health professionals like you who want more and are ready to take action to create incredible impact in your careers and unlock financial freedom in your business. So join me as I speak candidly with industry leaders about the struggles and successes from within the trenches through thought-provoking conversations. Tendonitis, tendinosis, tendinopathy, there's so much confusion around tendon pain and tendon rehab that I wanted to talk a little bit about the do's and don'ts of tendon rehab and give you five specific rules today that you can start practically applying with anyone who has any sort of tendon pain, tendonopathy, uh, and tendon rehab. And I said tendonopathy because tendonitis is what we used to call it, itis meaning acute inflammation. Osis was then chronic inflammation or acute on chronic inflammation and opathy now meaning pathology. So a lot of our terminology is now veering towards using opathy of whatever it is as opposed to itis or osis because sometimes um, we're unsure if it's acute inflammation or acute on chronic and so it's just a pathology of that thing. Alrighty, so First, eccentrics were the go, then isometrics seemed to be the thing that everyone was harping on about for assisting in the rehabilitation of tendons, but the research is really conflicting, and there are a few different um, conflicting papers that talk about how we can treat tendons, but taking our critical thought process from these, I'm going to talk you through exactly what to do uh, and what not to do so that you can provide better tendon rehab for the people that you're working with. So we're going to simplify these rules. Rule number one, and I would say probably the most important rule, is don't rest completely. Rest is not always best, especially when it comes to tendinopathies. And so the first step in any successful tendinopathy is determining whether the patient is currently overloaded or underloaded. So when we look at this, typically what's happening is there will be a spike when someone comes and reports tendon pain and we're looking at is this uh, an overload sort of like over time and they've just sort of hit their limit or have they underloaded or maybe stopped training for, you know, a couple of weeks and then gone back to the exact same activity level and their tendons are not able to tolerate those loads after an extended period of time off. So we first need to ask, can we start to load them immediately? And ideally, we want to be doing that. Um, we may need a little bit of... I would say down regulation, but complete rest is not usually best. I'm going to say that again. Complete rest for tendon pain and tendon rehab is not usually best. So relative rest is what we like to call it if someone is overloaded and making sure that we can help manage their flare-up and then make sure that they're not just going and flip-flopping from overloaded to underloaded and thinking that, okay, when they have pain, they have to stop exercise because tendon is one of those um, elements of the body where we actually want to continue training and training through some pain is good, which we will talk about um, in a minute. So rule number two, 
sorry, um, I just go back for a second. Uh, so rule number one, recapping, don't completely rest tendons. And also remember that tendons do not improve long-term through rest. We absolutely need to be loading them and making sure that we are doing that in a progressive way where we're not re-aggravating the tendon, but we are producing stimulus so that it can cope with greater loads. Alrighty, rule number two, do progressively load the tendon. Tendons have a, tendinopathy, I should say, is known as a failed healed response to loading. So we have to change the narrative for that tendon to progressively load it, but not excessively load it. So we want to progressively, but not excessively load it. And when we're looking at manipulating the load, there are a couple of ways we can do this. We can do this with intensity, we can do this with volume, and we can do this with frequency. So looking at where to start, it can help by looking at some of the research. And a majority of it says that heavy, slow resistance is the best place to start for tendon rehab. So um, I mentioned at the start, isometrics or eccentrics. However, research actually says heavy, slow resistance, which includes eccentrics and concentrics in one, actually has a better response and is therefore the most effective strategy for tendons because it is high physical load, but minimal shock loading, which we want to do at the later stages of our tendon rehab, shock loading being plyometrics um, and more rebound or faster um, recruitment of those muscles. So when we look at the research, when comparing isometric loading to heavy, slow resistance, um, there were better outcomes. Eccentric loading has a lot of evidence. And I know some people will be thinking, oh, well, you know, but are eccentrics still better? Like what's the new research say? So um, they're still saying that concentric and eccentric, you get the benefits of the eccentrics, but you also get additional benefits of concentric loading. So if you're already there, you may as well go through the concentric portion of the movement as well. Um, and understanding that we really do have to make sure that it's heavy. It's not just slow resistance, but it's heavy. And so this means it has to be at least 75, typically 80% of someone's 1RM, meaning that they shouldn't be able to do, say, 10 reps of that exercise. And we are pushing them pretty close to failure with this. The tendons at a heavy, slow resistance should be loaded quite aggressively in terms of the physical load initially, so we can actually get some um, some hard contractions working through the tendon in question, okay? Um and then once we progress through that, we want to have a look at slowly increasing the intensity, the volume, and the frequency, um, and also the reactivity or the speed of it. So looking from that heavy, slow resistance, slowly working our way up with our strength work, our speed work, and then both um, absorption and force production. So, you know, these are our jumping movements or things like that if it's lower limb um, or plyometric style exercises. Okay. So, what we need to remember rule two is do progressively load the tendon. And remember, tendons love load. I will say this till the cows come home tendons love load. We need to load tendons. Okay. Rule number three this is a huge one don't completely avoid pain. Oftentimes people, um, particularly people going through tendon pain, are fearful of pain and believe that that is aggravating or making the tendon worse. However, 
it can actually result in underloading the tendon and can delay or even prevent the full healing. So there's a pain and activity modification scale that shows a really great visual representation of this that helps clients to articulate what pain is and is not okay. But as a guide, zero to three, you're in the green. So that continue exercise, that's a-okay. Four or five out of 10, this is, um, is, you know, reduce or modify the exercise. And then six and above would be to stop exercise, let it settle. You've probably gone a little bit too far. Uh, and so it's important to understand here that a four or a five doesn't mean stop training. It does mean reduce the intensity or the volume um, or one of the vari- the training variables so that you can continue going. And we also want to make a huge emphasis on we need to look at not just pain in session because typically tendons actually warm up during our training and are okay, but we need to be really conscious on getting our clients to have a look at their pain between the end of session and 48 hours post. So we do not want that to increase by more than two out of 10 points. So let's say someone came in with a three, their whole training session was a three out of 10, and then 48 hours later, they're at like a four and a half or a five. That would be okay. But if they got to a six, we'd say, hmm, that was probably a little bit too much load and we want to back it off in our next session. Even though the whole session you were in the green and you were a three out of 10 and it felt fine because tendons take a little bit of time to respond. And after the cool down and a couple of days later is often when we see the actual results of what we did in our training. So really, really important to empower clients to monitor their own pain levels and make sure that they understand this pain scale. So zero to three is great. Four to five is modify or reduce and six and above is stop, let it settle down. Okay. So some pain is okay during tendon rehab. That's all you need to remember. And rule three is do not completely avoid pain. Now it comes to rule four. We want to set real so do set realistic timeframes. It's important to understand and help our clients really grasp that tendon healing is actually quite a lengthy process. It takes time and focused effort. And if we have time away, we're going to need to extend those timeframes out. So being really um, communicative and helping the clients be aware that, hey, it's going to take a minimum of 12 weeks of consistent loading to show sufficient healing of those tendons. So we have to encourage the continuation of rehab, make sure that's progressive in nature, nature, and make sure that we're consistently loading it and making sure that that's progressive so that we can actually get some great results with these people. And it's going to build a lot. We need to build a lot of buy-in. We need to make sure that they are aware that if in week four, nothing's changed, they need to keep going. Okay. So remembering here, tendons Heal, tendon healing takes time and rule four is do set realistic timeframes with your clients. Alrighty, rule five, second last rule, do use isometrics prior to exercise. The caveat is if they provide pain relief. So we spoke before about isometrics and we were kind of like a little bit off them saying they're not, um, not as helpful anymore. However, that's when it comes to our loading and progressively loading them. Isometrics in the research have been shown to be really effective at providing pain relief for about 45 minutes. So that can be a great way to get buy-in from a client when they're a little bit nervous about exercising, particularly with a bit of pain. We get them to do their isometrics first, and that can actually act as a little bit of like nature's Panadol, I like to call it, and therefore help people 
feel better during the session so that they can get through their workout. And then obviously we're making sure that um, their pain isn't, you know, jumping up after session and things like that. But if someone's a little bit nervous, isometrics can be a great thing to start. They do not work with everyone. I will caveat that. Um, And they also need to be performed at at least 80% MVC, so maximal voluntary contraction. So you can't just be doing a really easy isometric. You have to be working really quite hard to get that tendon to actually be under load in an isometric environment. Okay. Um, it's often found that we are underloading as a as health professionals, we are underloading our isometrics with our people and particularly uh, in our tendon rehab, which is really unfortunate because we need that to get a great result. So um, remember that we are not going to flare someone up with an isometric. It's such a low level intensity exercise and therefore it's really, really safe. So important to relay this to our clients as well. And then remember that isometrics don't help everyone. So it can be something that you trial if it works for them, even if it's a placebo or if it does provide that short-term relief, that can be a great um, kickstart for someone to get into their tendon rehab, okay? Research also states prescribing this as part of prehab, so prior to exercises or um, prehab, we call it, or the start of their rehab. So five sets of 45 seconds with two minutes rest is what the literature states. However, I find that I typically um, clinically will do just three sets uh, and swap between sides potentially to uh, just be a little bit more time effective, even if only one side has um, has the injury to make sure that, you know, maybe the other side is susceptible to it as well. Uh, and making sure that we are really enforcing it has to be hard, it has to be an eight out of 10 difficulty for that 45 seconds, Okay. So rule five, remember, is do use isometrics prior to exercise if they provide pain relief. And remember that isometrics are only sometimes effective, okay? Now, our sixth and final rule for tendon rehab is don't compress or stretch the tendon. A lot of people, um, same with muscles, they're going to stretch them if they've had, you know, a muscle injury. But if we understand that tendinopathy or, you know, muscle tears is typically from an overstretch of that, then we can be stretching fibers that are already stretched and actually make them worse. So remembering that healthy tendons are meant to be stiff tendons, not stretchy tendons. So when we're working through our tendon continuum from, you know, potentially starting isometrics, level one, heavy, slow resistance, level two, and then building into our plyometrics and higher level, faster loading levels three and four, um, We want to make sure that our tendons are producing stiffness because they are the transmitter between the muscle and the bone. And so we want to have a really solid connection. It's kind of like um, back in the day when you used to have like a little can and your friend would have a can on the other end and there was a little piece of string and you'd talk into it and they put their ear to it and they would hear it. Um, That's our tendon. If we have a really floppy chain, then you're not going to be able to hear the person on the other end. And so we really want to make sure that tendons as the sort of the transmitter of the the muscle force through to the bone is really reacting quite effectively. And that needs to be through stiffness. So talking about not just stretching the tendon, um, but don't compress it either. Irritable tendons hate compressive forces. So let's say you have an Achilles tendinopathy. You don't want to be doing 
full range of motion calf raises because you would be compressing that Achilles tendon. And that can be something that can delay um, or fail to heal a tendon appropriately. Okay. So thinking about whatever tendon is for you, what position does a tendon get stretched or compressed in? And we want to avoid those extreme positions and remembering that tendons hate compression. So rule six, don't compress or stretch the tendon. They definitely do not like it. Alrighty, that is all for our Tendon Rehab Masterclass episode today. Uh, If you want to learn more about tendinopathy or tendon rehab, I'm going to link a blog that I wrote on this that I've taken a lot of the content from today's topic in called the do's and don'ts of tendon rehab. I will link that below. Um, And as always, if you have any other questions or feedback for future episodes or of our current or past episodes, I would love to hear them. Um, Please, uh, if you're watching this, share it with a friend who may find value in this. If you have learned anything from today, I would absolutely love if you could share it on your socials or with a friend or however you choose uh, to share that with people because the way that we grow this podcast is by people like you sharing it with other people and spreading the value, spreading the love. Until next time and move swiftly. Did you find something valuable in this episode? If so, I'd like to ask a tiny favor. If you have 30 seconds now, I'd love you to follow or share the podcast. That way, we can continue to bring you more real, raw, and uncensored stories from industry leaders. We also love hearing from you and what you loved about every episode. The best way to reach out is to DM me personally on Instagram, at Swift Coaches Academy. Until next time, and in whatever you do, move swiftly. Before you go, don't forget, those two anatomy masterclasses are coming up. The first one's on the 15th of June, the anatomy of the shoulder. Second one is the 5th of July, anatomy of the hip. I cannot wait to see you there. Link in the show notes for all of the information for you to register and I will see you there.